Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Mets fans, welcome back to the Amazing Avenue Newswire. My name is Brian. With me tonight are Allison, Lucas, and Thomas for a roundtable discussion on a topic we've already discussed on this podcast, but in a very, very different context. If you've been living under a rock for the last 12 hours, you would not know that Carlos Correa signed a six-year, $200 million contract with the Minnesota Twins today after talks between Correa and the Mets broke down last night. Um, the deal is for six years. There are another four years of vesting options that it's it's not a traditional like year-by-year year vest. I want to say three years vest at once. It's a bit unclear in my head there's a lot there's yeah. a lot and also i don't really care because it's not the mets so I, I am not keeping as as close of track of this as i normally would um but you know this is the end of a what was it three weeks four weeks saga yeah. of the mets it was Korea? yeah a little before christmas yeah two um, days before it was like december 23rd yeah so you know it's um this has been a very strange time to be a mets fan because we were celebrating something that was more or less announced as happening. And then it wasn't happening. And then it didn't happen. And that coincides with the San Francisco Giants also attempting to sign Correa and also balking at his medicals. And so I think that there's a lot to be discussed here. And I know that we have a variety of opinions on this. But I just want to sort of start off with everyone's baseline before we get into anything particular on a scale of, you know, let's say one to five with one being uh, I don't care. This is fine to five being Storm City Field. Um, Allison. <laughs> Stage <laughs> an insurrection. Yeah. <laughs> hey, look, I, I have to comment on the times in which we live. Folks, okay. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Rolling Stone offices were boycotted by by uh, Celine Dion fans last week because she wasn't listed in their top singers of all time. So this is people just storm every office they can for any reason now. So, Allison, on the one to five scale, where do you fall right now? Oh, that's so hard to say, because, like, I'm definitely I'm de- I'm I'm not at either extreme, but I like it. 
because the the team is still good. So like, I can't say I'm out of five, but I, about this particular thing, I'm pretty upset. So like 3.5. Okay. Uh, Lucas, where are you? 1.5. Thomas, where are you? Definitely a three because we'll get into it. I'm sure, but I'm definitely a three. And I'm a 2.5, let's say, or two, 2.25. Am, am, am I subdividing too many times here? Like, I am, <laughs> I, I am somewhere between a two and a three. Okay, let's put it that way. Listen, um, when I rate my books on Goodreads, I'm like, I wish I could give this 3.75. Yes. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I love giving a good four and just not explaining why. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's let's sort of let's each take a moment to explain our positions and then we can yell at each other about this uh, lovingly, of course, because we're all friends in the in the in the uh, grand scheme of Mets uh, fandom. I think we all have similar thoughts and experiences and values about the team and all that. So I, I know that there are disagreements here, but I don't think it's going to get too ugly. But listeners, stay tuned. It might get ugly. Um, so for me, here is here is my general piece. I think it sucks. I think the way that this happened is contributing more to my feelings than the fact that it happened. If this was the first thing that happened in the offseason and after this, the Mets went out and brought in Verlander and signed uh, Nimmo to, to the contract and did all the other things that they did. I think I'd feel very differently versus if this is the last move of the offseason and it fell apart. That's number one. Number two, I think Correa is obviously a very, very special player. But I think the fact that two big league teams balked at his medicals lead me to believe that there's some sort of fire where there is this smoke. I don't know if we're ever going to see that fire or not, but I don't think this is just two teams having buyer's remorse or being cheap. I see no evidence to to feel that way. Um I also think that myself, and this is this is me speaking for me more than other Mets fans, but I'm sure other Mets fans feel this way too. We just feel like Steve, because Steve Cohen can, he should. And so because we can all say, well, he can just eat the contract if it doesn't go well. We know he can do that. And we all feel like because he can, he should. And I don't know if that's right either. I would still rather have Correa than not. I would still rather deal with the problems of six years from now in six years. But I can't say I don't understand this move. That's where I'm at. Thomas, give us the sort of cliff notes on where you're at right now. So I'm in a similar place for you about where it happened in the offseason. But I think for a little bit different reasons. Like I've said that they're a bat short this entire time. And I, I maintain that they are a bat short. And now there's no chance to get – like, they're just not going to get one. Like, they they might sign Adam Duvall or they might sign uh, Nelson Andrew Cruz. McCutcheon <laughs> or Nelson or, and Nelson Cruz or Brian Anderson. Like, there's guys out there. I, I guess Elvis Andrews, but he's probably going to go to Boston after the Trevor Story stuff. Like, that would be my guess. But, like – can we take Those a guys... moment and appreciate we're not Boston? Yeah, like, yeah. Good Lord. Yeah, seriously, geez. Me, but, uh... me Trevor Story, handshake emoji, having a uh, having a, a supported tendon, or like basically, like what's the? He has the internal support, right? Like internal that, support yeah. brace, yeah. yeah. Yeah, internal yeah. support brace. That I also have that. <laughs> Fucking Red Sox, man. It's they're a disaster. That's that's real bad. We could get into that at some point because oof, that's a premier uh, baseball organization acting like that. Yeah. But like with with the situation with um, Correa, it's if this happens in October or November, then they could go sign another bat. But they're just they, they they're not getting one. They're going the the owners called John Heyman himself and said the team was a bat short and we found it when they signed Correa. And now they're they, they, they're not going to. And that sucks. That doesn't mean that the team's going to suck. They're still one of the best teams in baseball. So that's why I'm not at a five, because I think the, the Mets don't need him to compete. But I think it would have made them the clear best team in baseball. And they're not now. So that just kind of sucks. Allison? 
Um, I have pretty similar views to Thomas. I think Thomas and I are pretty close to the, the say I said 3.5 and not three, but like, I think it's kind of splitting hairs. Like I'm pretty much in the same page as him. Like I'm not at a five. Like I think it would be silly to be at a five, <laughs> um, given the fact that this team is very good, even as currently constructed. Um, I, I will also talk about the timing a little bit, um, because I think it's just, it's very similar to how the 2022 season felt for me in the sense that they, they were a great team. They were the best. They had the best regular season record in my lifetime. And then they got bounced in the first round of the playoffs. And it was like the most anticlimactic thing in the world. And it like, it doesn't erase the fact that they won 101 games, but it still leaves me with this like sour taste in my mouth. And this is kind of a similar thing that happened here. Like they quote unquote won the off season until this Correa thing. But then you like dangled this like shiny carrot in front of me and then took it away and was like, no, never mind. And like it's like, but but you showed me that and I want it. Right. <laughs> like it's it's really frustrating and it makes it it like it doesn't erase all of the other good things that they have done by any stretch, but it like I don't want to feel this way, but it makes me feel bad about it. <laughs> like I'm mad yeah. about it and I don't want to be, but it's really frustrating. And I also think that like the, Brian and I had a little bit of a, a discussion about this in Slack, a little bit of a back and forth. So I guess I'll get into that, this aspect of it. I also don't like how this makes the organization look um, like I understand that the like that the Giants also walked away um, too. So the, like, we I'm not say, saying we just quickly like the Giants are not a joke organization. They are no. not the best organization in baseball, but this is not like. This is not the Red Sox walking away, right? Like this is. I think a, having yeah. him get it's, dressed for a press conference and oh, then calling is, it off is a that's joke. Some clown that part shit is right terrible. There. Yeah, but that's it, really it, bad. But in terms of baseball process, like the Giants are not a terrible team. Sure. And so for them to balk at this too is not makes me feel better about the Mets balking, if that makes sense. Sure. Obviously, it is. It, it, it they don't look as bad as if they were the only team doing this. Right. Yeah. Um. And I believe I don't believe the Mets and the Giants are like making it up and that his ankle is totally no. fine, actually. Like that is not... something's clearly wrong with his ankle. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, two Major League Baseball teams are not going to flag this without. Um without it being real like it's just not, that's just the fact of the matter not only that the Mets knew there was a chance his ankle had a problem tried to sign him and then decided against it like they knew going in this was going to be bad <laughs> yeah. and they were like right. oh fuck this is really bad oh, like, this is really yeah, bad. exactly yeah. they were like oh that's what you were talking about <laughs> which yeah, I, like, think like makes them, <laughs> I think that makes them look sort of dumb right like I don't know like I would have felt a lot like I, I think that we all agree that we would have felt a lot better about this whole offseason if they had never been involved in this in the first place. Agreed. Like, yeah, I agree. 100 percent. Um, and it's just I, like I just think they come out of this like I think it's just because of the repeated pattern with Boris, too, and trying to renegotiate renegotiate with him on medicals, which is something he notoriously does not do um, because it's his job to get the best deal for his player. In this case, it did kind of fall through a little bit because the player got way less than he was originally going to get. But like the Mets tried to play ball with Boris and it didn't work. And they have done this before with Kumar Rocker and the Mets are going to go out here and say like, Oh, Boris misled us on medicals. We got worked and stuff like that. But like, no, not really. Like this was your choice that you made. And I just think that it looks really silly when Cohen is out here bragging to John Heyman that he got a deal done and yeah, it gets reported out as done. And then it's like, ooh, uh, the front office didn't like that they did that. Steve Cohen got drunk and signed a player without consulting them. And then, like, I don't know, like, again, I don't have any, like, insider info about, like, the whole, like, what happened between Steve Cohen. We know that Steve Cohen basically did this. Like, we can gather from the public reporting that Steve Cohen was basically responsible for the initial deal without much front office involvement. I think we can glean that between what's public and what's between the lines of the public reporting. Sure. But, like, I don't know if the front office and Steve Cohen were, like, extremely not on the same page and that caused internal discord and then that caused, like, them to back down from it. If the front office and Steve Cohen ended up on the same page where they were like, yo, you went, you balled out a little too much. And Steve Cohen was like, you're right. I, I was reckless. Like, I don't know. But, like, I just think it makes them look like they don't have sh their shit together a little bit. Lucas, I want to hear from you first before we get sort of deeper into what Allison said, just your sort of 
overall, you know, tenor right now? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm I'm less upset about this than than Al, than than Allison or Thomas, and I certainly like the emotionally, I get it, right? Like, the, I have no argument against being disappointed, right? Like, you're adding a big name third baseman, and then suddenly you're not like that. That sucks. But at least from the the team side of things, I'm having trouble finding fault with the Mets here. And I think maybe Mets fans as a whole, uh, this is another incident of us uh, having some, shall we say, uh, uh, negative learned behaviors from our time with the Wilpons, right? Like if this shit happened under the Wilpons, I, I, I'm fairly certain, A, we would have all immediately thought it's the Wilpons fucking around and finding out, and B, we probably would have been right. Uh, here, uh, it seems much more obvious to me that there's some... Uh, the, the Mets are not clearly in the wrong, shall we say, right? Like, uh, to Brian's point, multiple major league teams have flagged this issue. The contract he signed now is $115 million less in guarantees than what he originally agreed to the Mets uh, or agreed on with the Mets. And, and has 150 less than he agreed than on what the, the Giants yeah, offered, yeah. right? And yeah. has significant injury provisions in its own right. Um, so it's not. this is not an incident. In, this is not a, an example of the Mets being cheap. Cohen isn't getting cold feet. Uh, I mean, he, he, he has uh, per Spotrack, and I don't think uh, uh, this is fully updated for ARB yet, uh, but the Mets have a $298 million payroll, uh, and the next highest team is at $230 million, right? So uh, this is not the Mets being cheap. This is uh, them trying to improve the team and seeing a justifiable medical issue and then saying, and, and then being unable to come to an agreement with uh, an agent who is notoriously difficult to uh, negotiate with, on, uh, especially on this particular issue, which is not to take a shot at Boris. He's very important for the game. He's doing his job for his clients, but that doesn't mean he's not uh, hard to to work with for right, teams. Right. Um, I'll also say, like in in my mind, this is very different from the Kumar Rocker situation, um, which is a comparison that that kind of makes itself because it's another medical uh, 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 mix up here with a Boris client. Right. Um, in that incident, the Mets, again, do seem to be somewhat justified in their concerns, wound up with a better prospect anyway. Now, I don't know that, that you could have predicted that, uh, Kevin Parada's fall down the board certainly was not something you wanted to bank on, but the biggest flaw with the, the whole Kumar Rocker situation was the, the lack of backup picks, not necessarily yeah. what they did with Rocker specifically, right? It's, uh, uh, if, if you if you isolate the 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 oh we don't like this medicals we're backing out of the deal we'll take the the pick next year that on its own is is shitty and maybe that's not the best system that should be in place for the player side of things but I don't think that's a fault of the team what they did wrong there is budget for that pick and then have nowhere else to put the money that was the big fuck up so I, I, at least to me I don't see how this necessarily hurts the team's. Uh, reputation with free agents. I don't think it speaks ill of their medical processes. Maybe it suggests that there's, you probably don't want your owner making drunken signings while he's <laughs> on vacation in Hawaii. Sure. And look, look, that that's probably true. Like meddling owners are generally not a great thing. And Steve Cohen is a very different brand of meddling owner than the Wilpons or Artem Moreno or insert all the other shitty meddling owners, but you still probably don't want that happening. Um, if you were building out like a, an ideal process here. So maybe that's the one blemish that the Mets have to, to wear coming out of all this, but I, I just can't get upset about it when all the evidence suggests that they're acting fairly rationally here and have already so, spent more money than anyone else this offseason. So I would say the only thing that I think it reminds you of the rocker thing is there's, like I said before, there's nowhere for them to pivot for the bats that I think they need. Like now I think, I think rough is going to make the team as half a DH. And if they sign another bat, it'll be like a backup, like a bench player. And that's mm -hmm. fine. And they need that. But I think that they needed a starting caliber bat, another one since last deadline, and they have not gotten it. They did a bunch of other good things, but 
part of the reason why I'm so bummed is you look around at the at the at what's available, and the the, the Pirates are asking for a king's ransom for Brian Reynolds, who's a nice player. But let's calm down about how much you are the, the, trading the for. Dude's Brian like a one twenty weighted uh, left fielder. Like I don't like I don't. he's he's a good player. I'm not saying he sucks. Yeah. But they're asking for a lot from the Yankees and the Mets have less. So mm-hmm. they're going to be asking for like Alvarez or something like let's calm down. And we're going to get into the Otani stuff, but I don't think the angels are going to trade him with the moves that they made in the off season. And Devers got the extension from Boston. So who are you getting if you don't get Correa? And it's not that the offense is totally terrible. Like Beatty and Alvarez are going to be up at some point, even though I don't think they make the opening day roster, but it's a little similar to the rocker thing where it doesn't sink the organization, but also the timing of it is reminiscent of that, where the Mets didn't protect themselves in the back of that draft. And the Mets did this in December. And now it's almost, it's halfway through January and there's no one left. Like this is who you have. I definitely understand that part of it. I also, I mean, like, you know, one of the things that, that I have, uh, I have three brothers-in-law. Two of them are Yankee fans with a Met fan. And they always make fun of me because they say, you have an excuse for everything. And I was recently talking about how I think that if you played 100, and I think I said this in the podcast, I think I said this with Lucas actually before. If you played 100 half seasons of baseball, you would never get a performance as bad as Darren Ruff did this half season ever again. Like, I think that Darren Ruff's a better player than we saw in the back half of 2022. I also think that having six of your players totally hit the skids offensively in September will probably not happen again in a hundred simulated seasons, right? Like last year, a lot of stuff went right for the Mets, but a lot of stuff went wrong for the Mets also. And so I don't think that their roster is, I mean, look, I think they need another bat. I do. Do I think that they're not going to make the playoffs without another bat? No, I don't think that at all. Oh no, I don't think think that Like, Do I think they're not going to win the division with a bat? I don't even think, I don't even think that's out of the question. I think that they just, it would put them over the top, right? And that that would be a nice place to be um, right now. But the thing that I keep coming back to, and I know that this is in a way foolish, but and I know that Allison has strong feelings on this, so I'm going to teeing up Allison for a discussion here. One of the things that was cited was the Mets' love of Manny Machado, and that's maybe why they wouldn't go after Correa. And I understand that there is a very good chance that that Machado would not sign with the Mets. But I think that as we are looking at this team as it's constructed, there is not going to be a lot of places for players to come in next offseason. They're going to extend Alonzo. They're probably going to extend McNeil. That You have another year of um, Marte. And the re- and then you, you have a, a hole in left field, theoretically, if Canada doesn't come back. But aside from that, you kind of have an entire starting lineup built for your team for the next five to six years. And so if you're going to if there are players out there that you feel are a better fit for your team next year. And you decide I'm not going to spend this year because of what's available next year. I recognize that that is not a fun way to run a baseball team, and that's not always the smartest way to run a baseball team, but I can't say that's necessarily a bad way to run a baseball team either. If you really think there's more offensive talent next year, and you're risking, you're you're weighing that versus the risk of a player that another team totally walked away from because of an injury concern, I can't really say you're crazy for that. My, I know you have very different feelings on this than I do. My so. counterpoint to that is that the Mets have a window of contention that is now. And by waiting and putting this off, you are wasting a year of that contention window on purpose. Um, I'm not, and they aren't totally wasting it because again, they have put together a good team. I'm not saying that they have like flushed it down the toilet, but Correa is potentially like a five win swing to this team. Um, And that's huge. That is, as we mentioned, I think we're all in agreement on this. That is the difference between, you know, the Mets being right up there at the top of the pack with like the top like four or five teams in baseball versus them being far and away, clearly on paper, the best team in baseball by like a fairly significant margin. That's the difference we're working with. Um, And there is just like Thomas said, there is no other move that they can make 
that can add to their World Series odds by that much at this point. There is no other moves they can make. No other even combination of moves that they can make that could do that. And if you wait until next year to do a similar splash, you are both A, relying on things that are not guaranteed to happen, like Manny Machado's theoretical availability in free agency. (laughs) That is not necessarily going to be the case. Um, and you are waiting for Scherzer to get a near, another year older. You're waiting for Verlander to get another year older. Um, it, and that's why I remain frustrated by the way the 2022 season ended because the, that team was really good and that was maybe the best yeah. shot that they had. Um, and they got bounced in the first round. And I, I guess I'm just like similarly frustrated by this because this is like right now is the best shot you're going to get. Like this is like as good of a team as you can assemble and they could they had that one piece to put them over the top and they were like yeah maybe we'll wait till next year to do that well next year Pete Alonso could get hurt something horrible could happen like I just and and it's clear to me I mean I could be wrong I could be proven wrong Correa's ankle could dissolve into dust tomorrow um and the Mets could be vindicated but to me this is clearly a back half of the contract concern given the renegotiated deal that he ultimately got and what the Mets were offering was like less than the twins, but similar in the sense that six years were guaranteed. Right. So it's clear that the, both the Mets and the twins were on the same page in the sense that, okay, we are willing to guarantee the front half of the deal and add and have like conditional and have conditions on the back half of the deal. That means that they're concerned about years six through 10 or whatever. They're not concerned about years one, two, three years. One, two, three is when Correa is going to help the Mets win the world series. And that's what I'm concerned about. (laughs) And like to, to Brian's point, saying that like oh well there's other free agents that's true but i always think about not going waiting to go get your guy and just letting him hit free agency stuff happens like i know it's different sports but i remember year after year the the lakers would be like yeah we're going to sign this guy in free agency he's going to want to come to la and every time he'd be like absolutely not because stuff happens Machado might not want to come to New York. Machado might re-sign in San Diego. He might opt in. Like, you really never know that the guy's going to hit free agency until he actually does. And that's why when the guy is there in front of you to sign, it's just sign him. Like, I, I unless it's Otani, like, Otani's a unicorn and he's different and the Angels are not training him anyway. And I think next offseason is going to be all about him regardless. I don't really think the Mets are going to entertain other people until that is settled one way or another. I just can't imagine they do that because everything's setting up for the Mets to go after him very heavily. And he is who he is. He's the most unique player in baseball, but I don't know. It's just like to, to Allison's Allison's point, this is the window now. And if Correa is nothing, if he can't play, if he goes out like Jacoby Ellsbury and can't play for like three years, if you want a world series in the first three or four, I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, and Cohen has more money than God himself. Anyway, I don't think Cohen should care. Like, Cohen did a lot with Cano's dead money on the books and there's dead money on the books this year. And it doesn't, it hasn't affected him at all because if he chooses to have it not affect him, it just doesn't affect him. So that's really it for that. I mean, at least the the upside of this is now one of the best prospects in baseball in Brett Beatty gets to play his natural position instead of probably like shoehorning him into left field, which would have been hilarious if they had to, if they signed Correa. Because that's what you've had to do. Yes. So, like, they, they, it's not like I, I actually wrote about this early in the offseason when I didn't think any other moves were coming. Like, the Mets need the, the Mets two black holes last year for most of the year because Escobar was bad until like September was third base and catcher. And that's where their two best prospects are. And they're two of the best prospects in baseball. That doesn't mean they're going to be good. It means even if you don't sign another bat, I, there's a way to get a ceiling outcome at these positions. It's not like the Mets are trotting out like Ruben Tejada to play third base. You know what I mean? Like there's a higher ceiling for the players that are still in place here anyway. It's not, it's a little, it's, you don't want to look at it that right now, but it's a little rosier than you could, than other teams, even without signing Correa. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. 
In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I also just want to say one thing about the idea of a window, because obviously every team has a window, and I understand completely Allison's point about the window closing. But I think that if we're going to have conversations about how because of Cohen, the team can act differently in free agency, then we have to admit that the window is kind of bullshit too. I mean, the Yankees haven't ever had their window closed in like, it's been like 20 years. That's what they I mean. 500 like, once. <laughs> Not if, even. If, were they even we 500 can, that year? If we can say that the Mets are, are going, that the Mets can eat a $200 million contract just in case it goes bad, then we have to admit that they can also make a new window whenever the fuck they feel like. I think my, I think my other point here and forgive me for uh, flying dangerously close to dollars for war territory, but (laughs) the reality is that yes, Correa makes the team better. Um, He might even make them the best team in baseball, but the Mets are already a, top three top five ish team in baseball and the presumptive favorites for the division i think as is yeah Dakota has them i think as the favorites yeah yeah 95 i think the last time i asked someone who has actually looked at it um whatever uh the braves got significantly worse by losing dansby swanson who wasn't going to repeat his 2022 anyway um and sean murphy while a nice player doesn't really help them because their catching situation was already good and the Phillies, I know they added Trey Turner, but they're still the Phillies. And, and, and they're going to be without Bryce Harper for half a season. Yep, exactly. So I'm not particularly concerned uh, about either of them overtaking the Mets per se. But but all of this is to say that the, the wins that Correa would add to the team are not as impactful as they would be uh, had the Mets not also retained Brandon Nimmo or had not also signed... Justin Verlander, right? They've surpassed the with the quality of this team. They've surpassed the the region of the win curve where everything is maximally uh, marginally valuable. Um, again, not saying that Korea doesn't make the team better or improve the World Series odds, um, but the impact is maybe not as much as we. Uh, might estimate because the team is already so good because things are flattening out there. And given that you have to think that the long, at least in my mind, the long-term concerns become more problematic right now. If, if, if the Mets had not also brought back Brandon Nimmo and were instead planning to start Kevin Kiermaier in center field, then absolutely. We'd be panicking. Yeah. Right. And then, then this is a move you have to make because at that point you are in that critical section of the wind curve where you need the five extra wins. Uh, to, to they, they're maximally value, valuable at that point, but the Mets are not there. Um, so again, Korea would make them better, but it's not such a critical piece that I don't think walking away due to what we can presume are reasonable medical concerns is, is unreasonable. And I, I still think there's stuff they can do, right? If they replaced, I mean, roster resource currently has uh, uh, Darren Ruff and Khalil Lee on the bench. And Khalil Lee is obviously not going to be I on that. Khalil Lee is not going to be on the opening <laughs> day roster, I think is safe to assume. I mean, like, Tim Locastro is going to be on the opening I was going to say they already him. signed Tim Locastro. They right. still might sign someone better than Tim Locastro, but Tim Locastro already supplants. Right, exactly, yes. exactly. Yes. Um, but like, let's say they go out and sign... Uh, both Adam Duvall and Brian Anderson or something, and also a reliever. They've been linked to Zach Britton. There are a couple other interesting names out there, I think. Um, yeah, there's relievers you could find. One. Right, exactly. If they, if they can do all of that, I, I, I think the 
glaring flaws of the ro- there there are no longer glaring flaws of the roster and again they would be better with Correa you could do these things and also sign Correa but this is neither a move that's critically important in a macro sense nor one that is uh, 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 mandatory in a micro sense right there are not holes on the roster that cannot they're not going to be forced to start who's a really bad third baseman that they've started over the years um, Eric Campbell <laughs> literally yeah. soup alone Eric Campbell's not walking through that door, Lucas. No, see, uh, I, <laughs> this is maybe my age showing. Didn't uh, Jason Phillips play some third Ooh, for the he, Mets? Back he probably sure did. Yeah, yeah. With, the, with, with, with the goggles, yeah. The goggles, God. yeah. Uh, uh, Danny Muno. Uh, I'm entering Ooh, my Muno. Jason Pridey era very strongly. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. Brad, Brad Emouse, right? These yeah. are not. Brad Emouse, yeah. My, my, my point is that these are not the players that the Mets are turning to. Eduardo Escobar is old and I'm trying to kill this fly that's buzzing around my desk. Um, <laughs> he's, he's certainly old. Didn't have the greatest 22, 22, greatest 2022. You probably don't want him batting lefty anymore, but he's a league average bat and a decent defender, right? It's a serviceable third base situation as is with a top 25 global prospect who's major league ready or near enough right behind it, right? They are, failing to bring in Correa here does not leave the Mets with a black hole at the spot. Yeah. Like I I wouldn't be surprised if Beatty just forces his way into the job. Like Alonso did. I don't think, I know this is a different position. I don't think Alvarez is going to start the season in the majors because of Narvaez. It's a very weird fit now, unless they carry three, but it would not shock me at all. If Beatty makes it impossible for them to keep him off the roster and then, Bitch, that's the third baseman. <laughs> like, That'd be really then, cool. That'd be really yeah, cool if Brett Beatty and, made me like forget about Carlos Correa entirely. And like, I mean, I think, even uh, if, go, go ahead, ahead. Sorry. Oh, because I was just gonna say, like, to say Brett Beatty will replace Correa in terms of production, it's not gonna happen. No. Like, unless, like, you know, it could happen because Brett Beatty is one of the best prospects in baseball. But to predict that is very difficult. But that doesn't mean Brett Beatty is gonna be. I think Beatty has a certain ceiling in at the major leagues it's hard to trust a, a rookie and the braves did it 10 30 10 million times over last year and it worked for them that doesn't mean it's going to work for everyone but rookies make are important parts of world series teams all the time like Jer- jeremy Pena was just the world series mvp that i'm not saying brett baby is going to be that good but it's in the realm of possibility for a guy with his prospect cachet he's not a scrub by any means you know Mm-hmm. There, there. If he makes the team, he's making the team as one of the best prospects in baseball. Like he's going to be a National League Rookie of the Year contender. I mean, that's going to probably be Senga if he's good because he's thirty. But like, I mean, the best like, might have but, the three favorites if it's yeah, if, Beatty, if Alvarez, Alvarez and Senga. Too, yeah. That's true. It's yeah. and and that's that's exciting in a different way. It's just I, I said this in a, in a in a different in a chat with a bunch of Met friends, but. I said it's sometimes it's not better to have loved than lost than never to have loved at all. Cause I just wish they never even got in contact with Correa. Then I'd be, I'd be happy. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, Oh cool. He's a twin. Good for them. Minnesota deserves them. Like they deserve. But don't, the, but don't the, you also think I, I'm, I'm going to call slightly <laughs> bullshit on this as I know us, right? If, if the Correa thing fell through with the giants and the Mets didn't sniff at Correa, wouldn't we all be saying, the Mets should be sniffing Correa. Sniff is one thing because I could be like, oh yeah, they should sign them, but I wouldn't be devastated if they did. Now right. it's like, damn, we we had like it was there. Like yeah. I, I I saw the the SNY Photoshop and it was it was on <laughs> it, 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 it it was there. It was it was right in front of me, and I I, I read the the John Heyman article about Correa being so excited, and then here we are, he's in Minnesota again, and it's like, well, God, what did I do all that for? That was three weeks of my life just lost while everyone else was signing which i mean of course the mets are still good and the offseason was great and probably by the time pitchers and catchers roll around and i see verlander in a Mets jersey i'll I'll care a lot less about this but right now it's annoying i think i think to your point that maybe in the pod we did after the nimo signing uh brian allison and myself had a, a discussion about how uh uh the roster was set up nicely where there is a serviceable third base option 
but also the room for Beatty to force himself into the picture, right? Where, yeah. like, you can live with uh, 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 Eduardo Escobar starting, but he's also not so entrenched that you're not willing to bench him or turn him into the right-handed DH or, or what have you if Beatty forces your hand. And that's a good spot to be in. And then we all imagined a lineup where Starling Marte was batting sixth and uh, Marcana was batting eighth and are disappointed that that's not actually going to happen. You you dangled again. You dangled the shiny carrot in front of me and my lizard brain is going to be mad when you take it. Like, yeah, basically, that's it. Yeah. Whereas like I instead, if you never dangled it in the first place, I would remain blissfully ignorant of the shiny carrots existence. and I would be perfectly happy in my ignorance. But instead, you have dangled the carrot and now I can't unknow the carrot. Right. Unknow the carrot. (laughs) And and it's and it's still like like I said, and I wrote before about how Alvarez and Bader are going to be really important to the Mets. I mentioned Correa. I was like, I'd let he he would be my first choice for another bat. But why would he ever? He was going to get a shortstop job, and then he signed with the Giants as a shortstop. And I figured it was done, that's done and dusted. See, he got a short a shortstop job, and then here we are. Oh yeah, I'm happy to move to third base, huh? That's like the, how many third Excuse how many shortstops do you like? How, how many shortstops out there do you know are like yes, I'm willing to move. For, I mean, to, for, the other point there, of course, is that the other big shortstops that were available do not have enough offensive value to be. I hate using the phrase. Yeah, I know. I I hate using the phrase worth their contract. I know what you mean, though. Right. Like, it's not Xander Bogarts as a third baseman or or Dansby Swanson as a third baseman. No, Dansby Swanson as a third baseman. At the contracts, (laughs) what are we doing at that point? Does not make sense. Correa has the offensive value where it does make sense. Right. Um, Turner had an interesting pivot where it would have been center field field, instead. Sure. But, and then you move Nimmo to a court and it messes, it moves things around that that way. But also that's a, that's a weird contract too. Mark Hanna starting third baseman. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. But it, it's true. Like Correa fit it perfectly where he would be in an elite third baseman in terms of bat and glove. I'm sure it would have transferred. I'm not, there might've been a little growing pains in the beginning, but I mean, the Jews a platinum glove winner that's short. I mean, you can play third base. And I don't know. It's just, it's, I'm very much in agreement with Allison where it's, you teased me with the, with, with the lineup of Correa in it. And you just look at it and you're like, this is who's, they might win 115 games with this line. And then here we are where I'm like, oh yeah, they should win 93. And I'm a little disappointed at that. I imagine me five years ago saying that. Oh, mm. the Mets only might win the, in the low 90s. They're only like going to spend $350 million this year. Yeah, right. I'd look like a clown to myself, but I mean, it is what it is. The expectations yeah. change and that's life. But I mean, like I complained about this on Twitter. I complained about the Correa situation on Twitter and I got called entitled. And I was like, listen, like, OK, yes. In a Mets context, am I sounding kind of entitled? Yeah, maybe. But also the Mets have not won the World Series in my lifetime. Neither. Yeah. Like, give me the best chance, and that's with Freya. And of course, Beatty could just turn around and be really good. And we're laughing about this in July when he's well above league average with the bat. Like, I would be way more chilled out about all the like various mishaps of the Mets if like they won a ring last year. If they won a ring last year, I'm like Jay chilling right now. I am not caring <laughs> about this at all. I'm like, yeah, cool. All right, Correa. Yeah, you do you. The Mets are still going to be fine. It'll be great. I'm I'm just going to like stare at our pennant and feel fine. But like because they didn't, I'm like, "Welp, still still the clock's still ticking on winning a World Series before I die." <laughs> I I I my one argument to that is that I can't tell you how many Red Sox fans I know who after they won in 2004 were like, "Oh, I can die happy now." And then those fans don't shut the fuck up whenever they don't win a World Series now every year. Like, <laughs> we, we want to say we'd be fine with the Mets winning one World Series, but that shit's intoxicating. And we could oh, be I'm in some oh, yeah. more. Oh, but yeah. I think no. that things like this, like, would I be pissed? Uh, like, if the Mets won a ring last year and then decided to just, like, not try to compete again and, like, didn't do all the other things that they've done, yeah, I'd probably be a little upset. But this Correa thing, I would probably be like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so here's, But instead, I'm mad about it. Here's a question that I have for everybody. Is there a... 
is there a a a a amount of game an amount of games or a stat line or whatever that if Correa falls below that two years from now you'll feel fine about this? Um, or or are you or are we also mad at the way things went down that no matter what the contract would look like in hindsight, it's still gonna feel bad. I'm a little mad Cohen was out here drunk dialing John Heyman at three o'clock in the morning, Eastern Standard Time to talk about how the signing is, <laughs> is awesome. Yes. He, he he shouldn't really be doing that. And I've I've said that at some like what Cohen has done with the Mets is very good. I want to lead with that. I'm not trying to be a Cohen hater or anything, but at some point his antics will be shown as a negative thing towards the Mets. And this is one of those times. That's, because this that's is, like bad George he, he, Steinbrenner stuff. Like, is bad yes. George Steinbrenner preferable to the Wilpons and every like of many other ownership situations? Yes, but it's still bad. He still exhibited a bad George Steinbrenner uh, trait. But yeah, the whole thing was a little gross with him being like, I'm just going to sign him. And then the whole like the oral history kind of made it sound like it was just him and Epler and nobody really knew. Like there was a few articles about it, which just felt like nobody really knew else what was going on and like. Buck Showalter woke up to the news in the morning like that's kind of dysfunctional. And I'm not saying like I would have been upset if Correa signed and, and we're an alternate reality where he where the Mets figured this out with him and he we get the official Mets tweet and we're all happy. But sometimes when your owner is a meddling billionaire like this, it's going to show up in negative ways. And this is one of them. And it's just going to suck when it does. Obviously, you're going to take the good with the bad like I'll to make the trade off every time if they're going to sign everyone else. And I'm sure the players don't really care. The players are probably disappointed that he's not a Met, but also I doubt anyone in the Mets group chat right now was like, damn, we suck. Like we really needed Correa to win because then they're not, they, they, they think they're good anyway. And they are, you know, it's just I would like my owner's where... pride to continue to be bruised by Steven Matz's agent. And like, <laughs> yeah. Can we get him on the phone? Yeah. Can we just like have, <laughs> can we just like have Steven Matz's agent yell at Steve Cohen a little bit? Like just, just for just... time's sake. If, if I'm Epler, I'm just scrolling through who that guy represents and I'm lowballing the shit out of him. Like it's it's it, he he's going to represent like some star and I'm going to be like, here's a one million dollar contract. And he's going to say no. And be like, Steve, he did it again. Steve, like, all right, we, we, we got to trade for Francisco Lindor again. Come on. <laughs> Remember what happened last. You know what I mean? Just like just constantly it's, it, right like before Otani. It's Otani time, Steve. It's <laughs> Otani time, Steve. Uh, you I know will, the Judge Judy gift where she's banging on the, her watch yeah, and yeah. hitting the table? That's me to Steve. I'm like, come on, he's a free agent. Let's go, buddy. Wrap I will say this has not, and this is really my final thought at this, at the risk of repeating myself, which I know I want to do. This has not in any way shaken my odd confidence that Otani will be a Met next year. Um. And we sh- that's not something you should be confident in. A million different things could happen. But I, I have not uh, uh, had my opinion of, of Steve Cohen's desire to win and uh, uh, ability and willingness to spend shaken at all by, by this uh, unfortunate series of events. I will say that yeah, this, if- is, this is unique. I will say that if Shohei Otani becomes a Met, I will Mr. Clean Magic Eraser this Correa shit straight out of my brain. Like, that will be one wit about what happened with Correa. Who is Carlos Correa? I've never I've never I've never heard that name in my life. Never heard. We could bring anyone back to play third base at that point. I do not care. well, Thomas, I, I, I want to sort of end this conversation by talking about something Thomas wrote, and he's alluded to it a few times now. He wrote a piece earlier in the offseason in the pre-Korea times that said that Alvarez and Beatty are going to be really important to this team. And I think that that was somewhat obfuscated by the Korea news. But I think he's spot on, and I think that like for a franchise to... For a franchise to succeed beyond just one or two years, there has to be good player development. And the Mets have had shit player development the last uh, my whole life, essentially, in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, look how many players they've developed that we talk about. It's few and far in between. Right. And the last time they did, they went to the World Series. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I, I do think that if 
if there is a chance that this means and look, I am not trading the potential of Beatty for the reality of Correa. I'm not saying that at all, but I think that Beatty is going to be very important to this team. And I think you're going to see a lot of. We're going to see a lot of Brett Beatty this season at a position that he is naturally gifted at. And that we may come out of this say, I, I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me if over the six years, the difference between Carlos Correa and Brett Beatty isn't that extreme. I think next year it will be extreme. The next two or three years, it may be extreme. But what's the point of prospects if you can't dream on them, right? And, and I think that the Mets can fill in around their young players with relative ease. And so I, I, as much as I want Correa here, and I do, I also kind of like the idea of the Mets giving a chance to some of the younger players. And like the, the best part about it is these are their two clearly best prospects. Like, I mean, as me and Lucas could attest, we've talked about prospects on our podcast many times and we'll just talk about them too. And we like, you want to talk about someone, (laughs) you you want to talk about someone else? And we're like, no, (laughs) I, 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 I don't. I, I really don't. And of course it's getting better. And the Mets system is definitely not as bad as it used to be. It's probably middle of the pack now. And they've done a good job of drafting, I would say. And I think Lucas agrees with me. We're pretty in agreement on that. Like their drafts have been better and they've gotten more out. They, they're the guys who they're drafting are guys they wouldn't draft before. Like Jacob Reimer is very interesting. Another third baseman. And Jet Williams is someone who I didn't love in the pre-draft process, but I've grown to really get. And I know why people really like him, but like Beatty and Alvarez are, I mean, Alvarez is some, I think pipeline had him one. I don't think he's one. I think like Gunnar Henderson would have been over him last year and stuff like that, but he's top five easily. And Beatty is fit top 10 to 15 to 20 in some places. Like that's something that you're, you're not pinning your hopes on the Mets number one top prospect who is you're the 80th or 90th or 150th in baseball. Like, of course they have their flaws, but these are legitimately high end prospects. Like we're talking about, best of the best here and if you're going to pin your hopes on someone as a world series champion might as well be kids who are that who are that who are that gifted or that um that have a have a reputation of that and a prospect cachet of that this is not just to give an example this is not like say in 2018 pinning all the shortstop hopes on andres Jimenez, who we had yeah exactly prospect in the system but andres Jimenez turned out to be like a very effective major league player yeah no on uh this was a nice little prospect yeah but at that time he was not major league ready and he was also not the elite caliber of prospect to thomas's point that alvarez and Beatty are like you could not have anticipated that Jimenez would contribute to the degree he has now based on his talent at the time Beatty and Alvarez are a different animal I mean I and I mean I'm of course enough, Ahmed was I, I was say Thomas I'm old enough to remember trying to talk myself into the Eddie Kunz hype like <laughs> you know oh god like you know this is this is this is the state of the Mets farm system from you know 15 years ago or whatever like this is you know we have actual prospects right now and of course, that's not a guarantee. Like Ahmed Rosario was clearly the best prospect in baseball when he got called up. And he was never, he never reached that potential because the very obvious downside. Also, I don't think Rosario would be a top prospect now if no. we, like, I think that was also a product of, pro, of prospects evaluation at the time because a lot of his stuff is things that he would get knocked down very significantly for the, the swing decisions and the, the ball lack of yeah ground ball rate and the not walking and all that stuff. But like, he was, it, it was very much and like, had speed, mm-hmm. little, but he didn't he, know how to steal a goddamn base. So right. he, he he just made a lot of contact because he was better than everyone. Like and then he got up to the major leagues and he wasn't better than anyone anymore. But I think ba- Beatty and Alvarez are better prospects than him. And the, the what I'm trying to say is even though Alvarez wasn't a more prospect of baseball and it's never guaranteed, there's still a level of Ahmed Rosario is not a bad major league player. He's not the prospect that he's not the player we thought he could have been when he was a prospect, but he doesn't suck. He's like around league average. He does a few, like he was a starter on a playoff team last year. If Beatty is a starter on a playoff team level good, then 
that's fine. It's not great, but it's a fine outcome. And that's very possible. And that's not the worst thing in the world, like we were saying with Escobar. Like if if your worst bat is a league average bat, you're fine. Yep. It's my biggest issue with the Mets offense is that their power, I don't really know where it's coming from. And that's going to be on the kids. That's going to be on Beatty and Alvarez because Ken is not going to hit for power and Marte's not going to hit for power and McNeil's not going to hit for power and Nimmo is not going to hit for power. Whereas but if you those know kids who hits do, for power, Carlos Correa. I know it's, exactly. And, that, and, and that's like, that's why Correa was so appealing. It was like the perfect way to add that to the team. Cause even Turner is a great player, but he doesn't hit for a ton of power. Like he hits for more power than them, but he's not the, the Mets biggest issue is, I don't know. Jeff Paternostro would say this a lot. Sometimes you just need to hit a three run home run. And last year the Mets just like, couldn't do it. Like when, when they would score seven, eight runs, it's because they hit a bunch of singles and that's not a bad thing, but sometimes you just need to hit a home run, man. Like you're in the playoffs and it's the seventh inning and you're facing one of the best relievers in baseball because every team is good. Sometimes you need a guy to hit a three run home run. And, and the two guys who could do that right now are Alonzo and Lindor. It's, it's, and even it's, Lindor doesn't hit home runs like that. No. <laughs> like he's a good power hitter, but not a great one. Like it's Alonzo is the elite power and that's it. So it's, it's an extremely weird team. looking at their roster and seeing, wow, they were third in baseball in way to runs created plus last year. And I was still frustrated with the offense. Well, part of that of is time. how the season ended though. I think of course. maybe, of course. I think also like a lot of it feels lucky is the wrong word for it. Um, Cause it wasn't really that lucky, but I don't even know that they're a bat short. They're like half a bat short. If yes. that makes they, sense. Like, like if, if, if Nemo hit 20 home runs instead of nine or whatever, then I would be fine. Mm-hmm. But he hit nine, you know what I mean? Cause that's mm-hmm. not his game. I'm not saying that he should change his game. Like McNeil doesn't hit home runs either. They're great hitters, but it's just it's a weird offense man it's and it's just watching it so weird and And it's also very difficult to say is that the problem and is that what made everything go to shit or did they just have some poorly timed pitching injuries and then lost a short series because short series are meaningless i don't know right i I know which exactly and they need to avoid that i know the braves also went out sad but i'd rather get to the longer series because there's more of a, I mean, the Braves just got hurt. Like all their pitchers went, went out at the same, like at the same time. And of course that's what happens. You could look at the Dodgers. They won 110 games and lost. And the Phillies went to the world series. Like what? Cause they got hot at the right time. And it's kind of reminiscent of the 2015 Mets where they got hot at the right time. They were a good team. They got hot at the right time and they ran through everyone in the playoffs. But yeah. Like just try to get that by either the first or second seed. I think the NL East winner is going to because they're all better than the Cardinals who are the clearly only good team in the central like baseball. There's like six good NL teams and three of them are in the division. It's very frustrating. <laughs> and they're all going to win like 90 games. Like the, the, the NL East is going to send three teams to the playoffs. You just got to be the team that's at the top because otherwise it's going to be, you could make the world series from the wild card. It's just going to be stupid, annoying to try to do it, to try to win that short series. Yep. I think <laughs> I think the one thing we could all agree on here is that we want baseball to start now so that we can have other things to be upset about other than this. Please. I've, I've already I've reached the point of the offseason where I'm literally watching random shittily made 2022 highlight videos of various forms <laughs> with really terrible music overlaid over what's the most recent one I watched crazy second base plays from 2022 why am i watching this don't know i'm watching it i'm craving the baseball let me provide some reassurance in the sense that yes we have reached the now like i feel like we've reached the true doldrums and this part of the offseason really sucks but it's gonna be shorter because the world baseball classic is gonna happen oh shit you're right that will be when does that start oh march yeah, something like that. The poor Mets are going to have no one in spring. I feel like half their team is playing. Do they have any pitchers going? Senga, right? March 8th. Senga, okay. Is Verlander pitching for Team USA? I hope not. I don't think so. I weirdly like want to see all the position players play and none of the pitchers. <laughs> Just bubble wrap all the pitchers, please. I think McNeil's playing. Okay, that'll be fun. 
I think, I think I think I remember looking at Team USA's roster and being like, "This is a really good roster. The pitching is bad," and I wouldn't have said that if Verlander's. Yeah, pitching. it's like Clay, like Clayton Kershaw's pitching. Of course, he is. It's it's a bunch of weird. I'm I'm looking it up right here. Now. We go. Uh, Real Muto oh, Smith it. at catcher, Alonso and Goldschmidt at first. No more Trevor Story at second. Oops. Uh, <laughs> Milner Arenado and Bobby Wood at third. Tim Anderson to return. Bobby Wood. Betts, Mullins, Schwarber, Trout, Tucker in the outfield. Oh, God. Yeah, the pitching. I, can <laughs> the pitching. anyone, I will tell you that the first pitcher listed is an NL West pitcher. Can anyone guess? It's not Kershaw? It's not Kershaw. Andrew Heaney? No. He's N- with the NL Angels West. now, too. Oh, actually. yeah, true. I said that no rather harshly, but yeah, no, it is not Andrew Heaney. It is. I forgot he was with the Angels. Merrill Kelly. Oh, good wow. Lord. Wow. He's the, first, he's the first guy ace listed. Of, ace of the staff, Merrill Kelly. Nestor Cortez, Kyle Freeland. Kyle Freeland? I'm saying. I'm saying. I looked at the roster and I was like, oh, dude, this is stacked. Oh, the pitching. Brady Singer and Adam Wainwright. Oh, Logan Webb. Why is Logan Webb listed? Oh, is it just alphabetical? Am I? It's not alphabetical either. Who what made is the list? list? <laughs> Who did this? Merrill Kelly's parents made that list. Why is Merrill Kelly listed before Nestor Cortez and Logan Webb? Because Merrill's parents parents put him first. They were like, no. Um, This list is brought to you by Merrill Lynch. (laughs) My beautiful baby boy is first. Sponsor sponsor of Team USA, Merrill Lynch. (laughs) They have a little patch on their jerseys. God. Oh, but yeah, if you if you want to if you want to get a real uh, kick, you can uh, look at Team Puerto Rico and how much they're going to kick everyone's ass. Yeah, that, that team is so good. It's almost not fair how good that team is. Diaz is going to come out to the trumpets in a World Baseball Classic game and the place is going to lose their mind. Like, yes, go absolutely feral. And I, I'm, I, I, I'm just going to be like, all right, where's my team Puerto Rico jersey? <laughs> Rene, Rene Rivera on the Puerto Rico roster. Nice. Nice. Javi, Correa, Lindor, TJ Rivera. Oh. Old Carlos, where has he been? Is this, is, am I looking at the right year? <laughs> Wait, you might this not can't be. be. No, yeah. this is not the right year. Is I'm Seth sorry. Lugo, yeah, because TJ Rivera, Rivera was definitely. It had Carlos Beltran in the outfield, so this no, is not. No. <laughs> I was like, TJ Rivera. How, why can't I find Puerto Rico? If I, I'm like, we're well past the time target Brian set for us here. And uh, <laughs> well, it wouldn't be a podcast if it wasn't over long, right? The hell is the Puerto Rico roster? Um, the only players I see listed here, I don't have the full roster, well, but has, Jose, it has Jose Barrios, Edwin Diaz, Seth Lugo, Stroman, Javier Baez, Carlos Carrera, Francisco Lindor, Jose Peranda, who's a nice player, Enrique Hernandez. Yeah, Stroman's playing pitching for Team Puerto Rico this year. Really? He has a mm-hmm. Puerto Rican um, grandmother? Something like that. Or just his mom? He's Puerto Rican on only one side of his family, I believe. It's just surprising that he's pitching for them. That's all. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm I mean, sorry. Juan Soto is obviously on the Dominican team, not the board. I, I'm very much on the record as a not a Javier Baez fan overall as a player, but man, that dude can play some infield and an infield of Baez, Correa, and Lindor at second short and or second, third and short is <laughs> the defensive highlights and, are going to be something. The Dominican and, team and also enough, stacked. They, they have enough offensive juice to, to bury Baez in the lineup. Yeah, Dominican team, Juan Soto, Vlad Guerrero, Jose Ramirez, Sandy Alcantara starting, Manny Machado, Oof, Rafael okay. Devers. Okay. Cool. So that's, that's the final. Cool. Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, uh, thanks for I, I, letting I us know. I don't know, the guys. Yeah. The uh, the Great Britain, the Great British roster has Akil Morris, old friend, old Met Akil Morris yeah. on it. Uh, I gotta watch out for them. Akil I need to Morris is now thirty. I need to know who's on Team Israel for reasons that have to do with my brand. It, is Ty Kelly playing again? I don't see Ty Kelly, but I do see Kevin Pr, Jock Peterson, oh Pilar, excuse me, Jock Peterson. Ryan LaVarnway, that's a name I've not heard in a long time. <laughs> wow. 
It's an old, wow. old top prospect, Robert Stock, who pitched briefly for the Mets. Yes, he did. Yes. Heck yeah! He, I didn't know Robert I, Stock he, I believe was one Robert of my Stock to Korea. I believe I Robert Stock is a former Amazing Avenue audio uh, guest. I didn't oh. know Robert Stock was one <laughs> of my people. I think so too. Hell yeah. Uh, Richard Blyer. Yeah, I was going to say Richard Blyer famously balking in runs, but also mm-hmm. also a Jew. Mm-hmm. All right, hang on. <laughs> now I have to do my look at my people from my Italian World Baseball Classic team here. Let's see. Is uh, Nimmo playing for Italy? It's just it's I just think? the Yankees bullpen. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> Marinaccio. And, and it's, the best maybe. it's the best bullpen in the World Baseball Classic by far. They don't give up a run, but they lose like eight nothing every game. <laughs> Again, I have to be looking at an old one here because I see Gavin Cicchini and Drew Patera on it. So this has to be an old one as I well. I certainly hope they're not playing any of the Cicchinis at this point. That'd be <laughs> concerning. Um, yeah. Okay, so Mike Piazza announced 13 players under contract with Major League. Let's see, Matt Festa, Joey Marciano, Andre Pilati, Mitchell Stumpo. <laughs> There's nobody on this fucking team. Mitchell <laughs> Sam Haggerty. <laughs> Sam Haggerty, baby. Hey! Sam Haggerty is a dally. Yeah, apparently. The uh the Japanese roster is a lot of fun too. It's got Darvish, Otani, obviously, but also Seiya Suzuki, Munitaka Murakami, uh, Shota Imanaga. I don't know why I can never say his name. Yoshinobu Yamamoto, Roki Sasaki. Like this roster is yeah, that that team is really good too. Japan is really good too. That is a fun team. I really. It's also a lot of guys who I'm going to be like in the Mets sign him in three years. I he gets posted. well, Murakami <laughs> wants to go to the Yankees, so fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Or West Coast team, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, also, future the the actual future Met in uh, 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 Asian market, Lee Jung Hoo will be playing for the Koreans. So uh, keep an eye out for him, future Met. I'm going to speak it into existence. I appreciate you doing that. I truly do. We we are, I think I speak for all of us when I say speaking to existence all the good players that will become Mets. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you everybody for listening. This went off the rails as expected, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, we we appreciate you uh, kvetching with us about this. Uh, I I just hope that something happens this season good for us that makes this all seem irrelevant. That's my big hope going forward. I don't wish anyone's ankle to explode, so I'm not saying that for <laughs> you know for uh, Correa's sake. I would never do that. But if if the Mets can just win like 115 games and not need Correa, that'd be fantastic. Escobar is going to have another like three walk off hit fluky week in like the second week of the season, and yep. uh, Carlos mm-hmm. Correa who. Month yeah. of Escobar, but the whole season. But, eh? Yeah, but it's eh? <laughs> exactly season of son Escobar. Of a, son of a bitch, I'm in. What <laughs> what if we just just take Brett Beatty to Fogo de Chao and combine <laughs> yes. the power and combine the powers of a top prospect and Fogo power? Yes. And then here we are. I mean, yep. if you could give Brett, if you could promise me that Brett Beatty would be as good a defender at third base as Eduardo Escobar, I would a have him as a top ten prospect in baseball immediately, and also have him start the season at third. Oh yeah, he'd be making the team straight up. I'd be like Escobar to DH and have fun. You and Vogie are the funniest DH tandem of all time. That would that would be the vibes are the good. Vibes oh. I, I, again. I don't know that would be the that would be a really good DH. It would be, a very be the DH. best DH, but the vibes would be the best vibe DH. Oh, off the chart. It would be I good. Mean, it would be yes. The vibes are incredible there. Um, I am I am low key very very happy that uh, we still have our big beautiful left handed DH. I will only accept replacing him at DH with Shohei Otani. Agreed. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, well, I'll start. I'll start this goodbye again. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for listening. <laughs> We're all on Twitter. You can find us there. Take care. Good night. Goodbye. Good night. Goodbye. <laughs>